0: Well, thanks again for listening to the Park Hills podcast. If you want any information on the stuff we're doing, go to parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app. Zephaniah 3 is true, proving to have lots and lots of intrigue. Yes, it is. There's lots of possibilities, things to dive into. No shortage in verses 9 through 13 for us to dive into and have some fun with. Uh, a couple. Uh, let me just read the first verse, because th- this alone will start to like send us into a, a tailspin of craziness. But Verse 9, For at that time I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech, and all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve him with one accord or with one shoulder. Yeah. As you said. So a couple things to just point out, these will be super fast. And then, then we want to dive into a much bigger topic, which is the day of the Lord, which I think is super important for us to talk to talk about with Zephaniah. But, you know, uh, when we talk about the speech of the people being turned to a pure speech, Alex, do you think this is talking about a reversal of Babel or do you think it's talking about something else?
1: I, you know, I did some reading on that and, um, there's also a connection uh, to possibly Pentecost. I'm trying to remember which verse that was. Right, which
0: is the ultimate reversal of Babel. Right, to right. Some extent. So,
1: so if there's a reference to Pentecost and reversal of Babel, like that's that's really interesting. Oh yeah, uh, dispersed ones. Yeah, then that's the next, the daughter of my dispersed ones. I I don't think I'm convinced. I don't really think that's what's going on. I went with more of the what what writers call the theological interpretation of. Sure. It's not just saying that the speech is being changed, but it's the heart. And that's where pure comes in. Like you're your pure you never really say like I have a pure speech. And if you do, you're not just you're you're talking about what's coming, the content of your speech, not the words themselves.
0: That's where I'm at too. It for us to say that a language being spoken is impure doesn't necessarily make sense. You know what I'm saying? We can't say Spanish is an impure language. Right. So to reverse babel just by giving pure speech doesn't necessarily fix the problem. However, what babel is doing is separating, dispersing everybody according to all their languages and then in Acts 2 everyone's able to speak, you know, uh or understand Peter as he speaks. And so by doing so, babel is reversed because of the Holy Spirit's power. But I don't know that that's necessarily the same thing as we, we see here. And back to your point, the theological reading, I think is a better one, because if you're thinking about the fact that that our speech is changed into pure speech, that just means what we can trust the words that are being said. Yes. The heart is right, that kind of stuff. And I think that's actually a better way to understand it. So I, I think I'm with you. But it's one of those questions that, you know, I had I had somebody come up to me and say, hey. hey what was that? And I'm like, no, it's not what you think. But yeah. Yeah. I
1: I think again, like with the connection of 10, the daughter of my dispersed ones, you know, the, they are going to bring the offering. There is this idea of like, yeah, in Acts, there is the reversal of Babel and the gathering. Mm -hmm. And so this is kind of, there's, there's some undertones of it, but I don't, I don't think that's really the point here. I'm looking at pure, just doing some quick word study as we're talking and it talks it's the the root word has the idea of plain or candid or selected i i think that's going to be more of like we're saying the the theological sure. interpretation like it's it's select it says it's select yeah yeah
0: although if it's plain or candid i suppose yeah. you're going to jump off there i guess you could say it moves to a speech that's understood by everybody, which which then again would pull yeah. in that piece. But anyway, th- these are all just random theological meanderings that we do yeah. that no one really cares about. It,
1: yeah, it gives the sense of guiltless. And so guiltless goes sh- theological, but just yeah. sincere, like plain, would w- could push you towards the, the Babel idea. But it's still a bit of a stretch.
0: Yeah. So I think we're both going to say our vote Bur- is
1: theological
0: more than... Than reversal of Babel, yep. you talked about the serving him with one accord. I, I just I want to lean into that just for one you know second or two here. I think it's a great idea. Can you imagine what it would take to get all of the nations of the world, yeah, <laughs> to lean into something together and do something with one accord? That just sounds impossible.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and. I, I love the the metaphor of with one shoulder because as I mentioned yeah. uh, in in the sermon there's a unique closeness mm. in I didn't use this word in the sermon because I thought it might distract a little bit but there's almost an intimacy there's a weird. Sure. Not weird. There's just a type of intimacy sure. when you are shoulder to shoulder working yeah. with someone. You know, you think about a hard, difficult, physical project that you do with someone together over a long period of time. There's yeah. like a bond that's created there. Um, but I, I think, and I didn't push this really hard again in the sermon. But one of the things with that is, as you're saying, you look at the diversity of God's people mm-hmm. across geography, but also across time. We have some very different cultures. And I think it's easy for us in our culture today to say, we're getting it right. Or maybe we have the humility to say, no, we're not getting everything right, but we're getting things the most right that any group of people has when we understand, interpret, and follow the Bible. And I think sometimes we need to remember that in this serving to shoulder to shoulder means us having humility and learning from other cultures. Totally. And we need to look to other cultures and say, hey, it's easy to look at, you know, another culture and say, Hey, you're you're getting this wrong but I think a lot of Christians around the world and through time could even look at our culture and say, like, Really? Like that's that's how you guys are doing this seems pretty simple oh, yeah. to us. You know? Yeah, totally. So it's like the it's like the thing when, you know, I've heard stories here and other places that have gone to Kenya and there are still Christians who have multiple wives and they're like, Really? Like you haven't figured this out yet? But then they look at us and they're like, You haven't figured out materialism yet? Yeah. So yeah, that, that kind of serving with one shoulder in that one accord is learning from each other. Yeah. Reminds me of the speck and the plank.
0: Yeah. We're quick to look at other people and be like, I can't believe you don't get this right, but we don't look at ourselves. That's good.
1: And and that's the barrier to serving shoulder to shoulder is not recognizing and have the, having the humility to say, man, I probably get a lot of things wrong when I read, understand, and interpret scripture that yeah. I could learn from other cultures.
0: Yeah, I think that's good. I think that's good for us to consider and, and process a little bit. You know, a lot of uh, chapter three is dealing with the concept of the day of the Lord. And so I know that that's pretty much the topic we want to spend most of our time here with. So when you think about day of the Lord, when you think about what we're talking about there, uh, what, what do you think about? what What are some of the topics in the day of the Lord concept you want to dig into?
1: Yeah, well... Uh, There's so many references to it. I circled in my journal here every time there's a reference to it, whether it says, you know, on that day or at that time or the day of the Lord. (laughs) I mean, chapter, what was
0: it? Yeah. Which links back to chapter one, all the times the day of the Lord is being brought up. Verse seven,
1: verse eight, verse nine, verse 10, verse 12, at that time. So then you get to uh, these passages here, verse nine, for at that time, that time is the day of the Lord, verse Mm -hmm. 11, on that day. I will do something and then but I will do something else. Two things are gonna happen on that day. So I think what's what's important and what I have kind of thought through and wrestled through is what does what is the day of the Lord? And the Bible Project has a great series of videos yeah. on this, but specifically what I want to talk about here for our podcast is the original readers of Zephaniah right. would have understood this day to be the day that Habakkuk mentions That the Chaldeans are coming. Yes. Habakkuk Habakkuk names them, whereas Zephaniah doesn't. Correct. And and we'll get into Habakkuk next year.
0: Yeah, early on.
1: Yeah, but there is the day of the Lord is coming when Babylon will come and conquer Israel and take them captive, and this will be God's judgment, His purifying judgment, right, Mm -hmm. on the people. But then we're what twenty five hundred years now. 2,700 years? No. Yeah, right
0: around. I mean, Babylon comes in 586. 586, so. yeah. So which
1: five or seven something that was Assyria, right? Yeah, 722. 722, that was it. Um, so, you know, we're 25 to almost 2,600 years past that now. What is the day of the Lord for us? Well, we know that the day of the Lord had a time that it was going to happen to Israel that Zephaniah and Habakkuk talk about, we also look forward to the ultimate day of the Lord mm-hmm. when all of these things are done in full and in completion. But then how do we live between the days? Sure. There was a day of the Lord and there is coming a day of the Lord. Do we experience in a way the day of the Lord in our lives today? Are there many days of the Lord or are there small moments of days of the Lord? Or is there a building of days of the Lord? Or do we read Zephaniah and say, mm-hmm. well, we know that eventually God's going to change the speech of all peoples, all across to a pure speech. He's going to remove completely the proud ones. He's going to leave as a remnant, the humble. Mm-hmm. But none of that, should we expect that to be happening in part today? Or do we just look forward, this is all going to happen fully later and 0% happen? It's kind of like We talk about this with exodus in biblical theology. Well, there was the big exodus in the Old Testament, and we're waiting for the future exodus when we all get to leave this land and return to the promised land of, you know, heaven. The new new, new, Jerusalem, new heavens and new earth. And so in between we experience many exoduses. Do we experience many days of the Lord, or do we participate in day of the Lord today? Yeah. Answer that question in full perfectly.
0: Okay, so within, within, within 30 seconds, Dr. Chris, take no, it. No,
1: almost, we have to say at this point. Almost, almost
0: Dr. Chris. It's, uh,
1: it's November 2023, almost Dr. Chris.
0: <laughs> so Thanks for bringing it up.
1: Yep, you're welcome.
0: Uh, one of the things I am working on in the periphery, this was originally going to be my concept of my doctorate, but I, I scaled it back pretty drastically because of, you know, just trying to get the thing done one of the things I want to work on eventually is, is a book maybe that deals with a biblical theology following Babylon as the big bad guy in the Bible. And there yeah. it creates then three scenes. You have Babylon in Genesis 11, you have Babylon here as the exile of, of Israel, then you have Babylon that shows up in Revelation. And I think Babylon being the archetype for the bad guy is really uh, kind of an interesting thing. So you have a m- bunch of passages that talk about e- Egypt being Babylon, that kind of thing. But my point is. What's interesting then is sometimes the day of the Lord actually isn't the Lord doing something. It's the Lord allowing some big bad guy to do something to you. So in this case, the day that's being talked about here in Zephaniah, as you're bringing up, seems to be something dealing with Babylon wiping out Israel in another sense we are in between, as you said, the next time Babylon is going to rise up significantly. But that doesn't mean that there haven't been little Babylons that have jumped up here and there, right? I mean, right. I remember, I've read sermons of people who were preaching about Napoleon being, that, that was Babylon rising, right? Or uh-huh. or Hitler or some of the others. So we've had these dictators throughout history who have sort of taken on that mantle of being Babylon, but then they're not the ultimate Babylon that we're waiting for. So the question you're asking you know, we'll, we'll get to that in just a second. But I think what I'm thinking about is we are definitely living in the in between. That doesn't mean that there aren't little days of the Lord all the way through. Because it's just right. the Lord showing himself in some way. Right. And that could happen, you know, infinitely throughout history. Because God can do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. Whenever I'm talking to a scholar and they're like, well, no, no, no. no this isn't that because we're waiting for the, the ultimate. Just because we're waiting for the ultimate doesn't mean it doesn't happen other times. I mean, how many times is the day of the Lord language used in the Old Testament about something that has nothing to do with what we're even talking about, right? right. I mean, Egypt is technically a day of the Lord and Israel is is found faithful because they did the Passover. And so they're led out of Egypt, but that's a day of the Lord. He appeared, saved them, but he didn't save his, Egypt. So to Egypt, that was a day of the Lord, right? right. Or Assyria is a day of the Lord for Israel, the Northern kingdom, Babylon is the, the, the ultimate day of the Lord for the Southern kingdom. But Assyria was also a day of the Lord for the Southern kingdom because they marched into Jerusalem and then Hezekiah lays out in front of the temple and says, no, 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 Lord save us. And God does because this angel of the Lord shows up at night, which is another day of the Lord. He's showing up. So I think there's a connection here between day of the Lord, theophany, which is the idea of God appearing in a physical form or some type of form that shows you what he's capable of and who he is. Um, But I still think there's something to think here about those three big moments, using Babylon as sort of the archetype. Right. Now, the question you're asking, which is where we really want to go is, okay, so what's it like to live in the middle? Yeah. Because, and there's so many places we can go there.
1: Right, because like like the Bible Project points out, all nations eventually become Babylon. Yes. And so that's where all these little Babylons, and so if all nations eventually become Babylon, I think you could then say all nations then experience a day of the Lord. Right. And then if all if, if Babylon is just this, is becomes a biblical symbol for rebellion, then people, individuals who are in rebellion can experience Correct. a day or the the day. They can experience that theme in their life. And so that's where I think we go to like, as today, we can see different nations experiencing the day of the Lord or a day of the Lord. And I think we can see individuals in our own lives, we can see times when God's justice and judgment is coming into yep. our lives. And and we'll, we'll pick this up in Habakkuk. So I don't want to dig too far into this because we're kind of stealing a little bit of thunder, but I think even in our own lives, often we see suffering as injustice against us, but yep. we may be experiencing those moments of God's justice on us yep. that we don't like.
0: Right. And so then if, you, if, if God is just burning away the chaff or burning away the dross, these are some biblical terms that are used of of what's wrong with us. Why would you not want to experience that? Yeah, it's going to be painful. Yeah, it's not going to be fun at all. But then in that sense, what we're saying is, yeah, you're, you yourself might go through multiple days of the Lord throughout your life. I mean, how many times have you had moments where you're just so convicted by what you're struggling with? Yeah. God just flattens you and you repent and then you don't struggle that way anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. for me... Early on in my walk with Jesus, it was it was swearing. Then it became patience, you know. Then it became lust, uh, you know. And now that I'm further in my journey with Jesus, at times it's pride, at times it's arrogance, at times it's a feeling of insignificance and trying to find my identity in other things. And there's just these moments where I'm with the Lord, you know, reading His Word, praying, letting Him lead me and guide me. And I'm just broken by what I'm seeing in myself. Those are also days of the Lord. He's showing up. And, and exposing my weakness and who I am. Yeah.
1: Is yeah, that kind yeah. of what you're talking about? Yeah. I mean, I, I have a profound experience and memory of forgiveness and mm-hmm. just feeling rocked by it. And then walking out of that moment that what it did not a single moment, but oh, that time period. And then saying, wow, like I am, I am different than I was yeah. three hours ago before I walked through this, yeah. this experience as, as I felt God's justice and correction on my life. Yeah. It was big. And yeah. I was like, I'm a different person. I'm, I'm different now. Like, yeah.
0: so. Which is more than a revivalism. It's more than, than a revivalistic sensation of some sort. It's, it's, a, it's a tangible moment where you just sense the Lord is wanting to burn this part away from me. I'm going to let him do that. Now, what we're also saying is that'll happen individually. It can happen corporately Right. A church yeah. or, or a family of God can come to some place where they all fall on their face before the Lord in, in one way, which sometimes is called a revival. Uh, but it also can happen nationally. It can happen internationally. I, I mean, there, there's a day coming when I think the whole lo- the whole world is going to experience God's wrath fully once and for all. That's going to be the ultimate day of the Lord. But just because we're not that the ultimate day of the Lord yet doesn't mean that we aren't experiencing the day of the Lord in minor ways throughout our lives.
1: Right. And I think the, the big thing that we can pull from that for us today is to not freak out when we see the day happening or moments of God's day or that theme being played out in specifically in our nation today. Because if if we look at all of history, every nation that has risen and fallen has at some point become Babylon, which means our nation that we live in today at some point Mm -hmm. will become Babylon. Now we can debate on how far, how close we are to that. (laughs) You know, are we, are we already there? Are we halfway there? Are we only getting started into it? But either way, when we see our nation start to act like Babylon and then we see God's justice coming on our nation, I think there is a tendency to freak out. And I think what Zephaniah is teaching us is that the remnant find their shelter in the Lord. And so when we see these things falling apart and we might get caught up in some of the negative effects, right? If God's judgment is going to come on a nation, some of the remnant will feel the pain of the day of the Lord. And that could
0: could be financial. Yep. It could be physical. Relational. Yeah. 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 Yeah,
1: So it could be any of those things. We might still feel that, but in the midst of feeling that it's not this freak out moment of how could our nation do this? Or how could this happen? Or how could God let all this happen? Or how could all these things fall apart that I thought were good? The remnant finds refuge in the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. That's the last verse. They shall graze and lie down. None shall make them afraid. We are not afraid when we see these things fall apart, because we recognize that whatever stage we're at, Our nation is moving towards Babylon, and God's justice is good justice, and we find our refuge not in fighting that justice or putting systems or things in place so that we don't experience those. We find our refuge in being the remnant, so don't freak out.